You're listening to episode 46 with Kathy Wynn, Water Resource Manager for Cobb County Water System. This episode is brought to you by Imagine H2O. Hi, this is Shannon Bays, Administrative Services Manager at Clackamas County Water Environment Services. This is the podcast demonstrating the power of communication in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Imagine H2O is a water technology accelerator, empowering people to develop and deploy innovation to solve water challenges globally. You can be innovative about anything, from your hiring process to the way your organization deals with hexavalent chromium contamination. What matters is that you're constantly trying to improve the way you're doing things, and the better you are at innovation, the better you are at everything. Learn more about Imagine H2O, their accelerator, and other beta programs at imagineh2o.org. And I would like in water if the word stakeholder was less scary than nuclear holocaust. That would be nice. Like the idea of like, we're going to have a stakeholder task force. I mean, you know, I might as well have just said, I think they pushed the button. Like, they're our customers, people. <laughs> our sponsor this month is Imagine H2O. So our brains are hooked on all things innovation. In his Words on Water podcast interview, Vice President of Programming for Imagine H2O, Tom Ferguson, said that innovation can be as simple as a mindset change and that at its heart, it's a decision to look at the world through a different prism. This instantly reminded us of Kathy Wynn and her presentation at the 2018 WaterSmart Innovation Conference. Kathy spoke about how she dramatically shifted the public buy-in of her water conservation programs by shifting her mindset and approaching conservation through the prism of her customers. In this episode, we chat about that very shift and why we think it's an important message for young professionals to hear, as well as anyone that wears their passion for what they do on their sleeve. We also talk about why everyone should have a mentor that scares the crap out of them, why the adage, the way we've always done it, kills the culture of creativity and innovation in our organizations that retains the next generation, and why if you manage customer service staff, that it's your job to make sure every other manager understands the value your employees bring to the entire organization. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Kathy Wayne graduated from Barry College with a bachelor's in speech and communications. She studied environmental management at the University of Maryland. She has been with Cobb County Water System since 2001. In 2004, she became the water efficiency manager where she developed, implemented, and managed the, managed the water efficiency program. In 2009, she became the senior project manager for water resources. She is currently the customer service division manager. She is a member of at least 10 organizations, including AWWA, what served as the past chair of the Alliance for Water Efficiency Public Education and Outreach Committee, and also served on the Technical Advisory Committee for both the Statewide Water Plan and the Statewide Water Conservation Plan. So incredibly busy woman. We're so glad that you took a few moments to spend with us today. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, so many people that we interview uh, didn't choose water. It, you know, it kind of chose them. And so give us, we read your bio, but give us a little more about your water story. Like how did you end up in the water industry? Sure. Totally by accident, <laughs> like everybody else I know. Um, I had uh, worked in the veterinary industry for a long time after I graduated and I actually had my own business, mm. but my father became ill. And my business was kind of a 24 seven sort of business. So I was looking for a different job. My husband had gone back to school to get his teaching degree. He had left theater 
and was getting a teaching degree. And he was working at the county part-time at the library while he was in college. And he said to me, I know you're looking for another job. Uh, the water system's hiring. And I was like, why would the water system hire me? I don't know anything about water. <laughs> it says in there that this position's all about writing and making communication with their cities and writing and organizing, you know, for the director, the relationships between the county and the city's water systems. So he's like, you can write. And so you should, you should apply. So I did apply and I don't know why, but they did hire me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they really probably shouldn't have. And I, that's probably most of my story is like, they shouldn't have done a whole bunch of things. Tell me right? about it. They, they should never have hired me. And then my director should never have given me all the kinds of projects mm -hmm. and responsibilities he did when I worked for him. And they should have never trusted me to do all of the things that they trusted me to do, but I was fortunate that they had that kind of faith in me, right. um, and I really loved the work, so I stayed. I don't know. I'd have to argue and say, of course they should have, because it's, you know, look at you now. You've evolved into this amazing leader in the biz, so I, I'm kind of glad they did. I'm super glad. Yeah. They did, yeah. <laughs> um, so you've been involved with the Alliance for Water Efficiency like since the beginning. Um, and yeah. I know that at, at the latest Water Smart Innovations, you know, we, we found that you're kind of having to take a step back from your leadership role in the organization because your role at Cobb County is changing. So why do you believe that organization is so valuable? And what are some of your favorite moments from your time there? Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, the Alliance for Water Efficiency, I still believe is important for the same reason I believe when we went to those first exploratory meetings, right? Water efficiency takes a backseat in almost every other water organization. Um, so having a national organization that is solely focused on water efficiency was a real void. I mean, yes, there are water efficiency, water conservation chapters in all the state AWWAs, right, and in AWWA, but it is, as we know, still a secondary, you know, redheaded stepchild in all of those. So AWE brought water efficiency to the forefront, and then it coalesced this whole group of the people that were leading in water efficiency and got all of this information from those people. So then it became a clearinghouse, and it became an advocacy group, and it became a place where you could go to them for technical support. So it just filled this enormous void in the industry. And I guess favorite moments um, was probably the advocacy that finally got WaterSense authorized. Yeah. I mean, because we're a big <laughs> WaterSense. So that's a favorite moment. But just all the times we've worked on collaborative projects, Anytime you can get together and work on a project with people from all over the country and the people you admire most in the industry, that's a plus and that's all my favorite moments. So working on the Never Waste campaign, you know, with Dallas Water, um, who took the lead in that, yeah. and just all of those things we were able to accomplish working together. Yeah. Well, your presentation at WaterSmart Innovation really resonated with us uh, because your message is something that mission-driven people with a cause really need to hear. Before we get into that a little bit, um, I, want, I want to get a little info or background on your conservation program at Cobb County. Sure. So we started the program back in 2005, 
Um, and we did cho choose to call it the water efficiency program and not the water conservation uh -huh. program. Um, and we've got a lot of indoor programs that we really started with a focus on residential customers because by customer count, we're about 90% residential and about 10% commercial wow. and industrial. Mm -hmm. So we started with residential um, and we have toilet rebate programs. We have fixture giveaway programs. We have a very active youth education program where we reach eight to 10,000 students a year with direct programs all the way from kindergarten to high school. Uh, we have adult education programs. We have technical trainings for landscapers and plumbers. We've um, hosted and supported the green plumbers training for local Atlanta plumbers. So it's a pretty diverse program for indoor, uh, for indoor use. We have a lot of programs for outdoor use. We have a lot of education programs. We have home audits. We have kits. We have soil moisture probes. And we are working to develop a pilot program right now for uh, irrigation controllers, mm, oh, water yeah. sense label controllers, a rebate program, probably with the Ratio project. I was gonna ask. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were pretty. Well, that's who we're. That's who we're thinking about. You know, they they just really cornered the market on providing that next step information yeah. for utility, mm -hmm. where it doesn't just go into the ether. Right, <laughs> they're working with us to be able to actually quantify the savings, which has really been, as you know the most challenging thing about incentivizing outdoor water use is if I put in a toilet, if I give a pre-rent spray valve to a business, I can pretty much calculate within a reasonable amount the savings we can obtain from yeah. that. I spend money for a controller, I have no idea if I'm going to save any. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, and the numbers matter to the, to the people who are making the budget decisions. So the more data that we have that we can actually use is, is so important for any, any communication, outreach, education program, but especially when it comes to conservation and efficiency. Exactly. Um, so Arianne touched on on your presentation and, and kind of the impact that it had on us. And so, but what, when you presented, you presented about this kind of shift in mindset that you that you had that both helped you kind of cope with the people who are never going to see conservation the same as you but most importantly it helped you find this common language between you and um, opponents of conservation that allowed you to create the shared vision that you both could get behind um, so even if your motives and intentions uh, were you know completely different so spilling her secrets <laughs> So what was that shift of mindset? <laughs> um, so I guess I would say the most significant one happened after the 2007 to 2009 drought, right? I thought, wow, we've done all of this. And so now they know how important water conservation is. So it's no longer going to be an issue. <laughs> I thought, well, we've really instilled an ethic here of conservation because they saw that we almost ran out of water, mm -hmm. right? So now everybody's going to believe in yeah. this. And the second they lifted the drought restrictions and I did a piece for our local paper and I did what I always tell myself don't do, which is read the comments mm. underneath the paper. And the first comment Ooh. was like, great, we no longer need to save water. When are you going to fire that? Girl? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. Okay. So much for the conservation ethic. Yeah. Um, we got to fall back and think about this again because we're gonna have multiple droughts, right? It's gonna be ping-ponging back and forth. And I think 
in areas where you get rain, yeah. right? You cannot couple your conservation programs with drought, yeah. right? You really have to set that up as an emergency response. And then you've got to find a message that is appropriate to your community. And so for us, that message tied the water resource to being a fiscal resource, yeah. an economic you know, tool, an economic development tool. And so that, that would resonate with our fiscally conservative customer base. Mm -hmm. And the best is it's weather agnostic, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. We save that water, that economic resource, regardless. Right. Of the weather. Doesn't matter. So now there, he, that guy or girl came back and probably said, when are you going to hire this fiscally response, water responsible <laughs> person? <laughs> well, I don't know if it was the same person, but I will say that later we were, the county itself was in a crunch and we were, it was after the economic downturn and you guys know how it works for government, right? Yeah. So the economic downturn happened for everybody else in 2008. And then government about 2010, yeah. right? Last affected, last to recover. Right. So in 2010, we were under all kinds of pressure and they decided that they would form this concerned citizens task force. Oh, those concerned citizens. Task force. <laughs> so they started meeting with every single department in the county and they had empowered them to like give this list of improvements that needed to happen in the county. And when they met with water, and this was now three years after we shifted our message, three more years into the conservation program. We're now five years into the program. And they were there, and one of the county's most vocal critics who was on there said at our meeting with him, I don't understand why the entire water system cannot run like the water efficiency program. Ooh. And so that was a big endorsement yeah. because he hated everything. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Everything about the county except the water efficiency program. Okay. So that, I, that is a big victory. That was a huge win. That's amazing. Our, our message had resonated. We had found the right message. Yeah. And I joke saying concerned citizens, but I mean, obviously, like I love when citizens actually do take the time to care about, especially in relation to water, about what's going on. But, um, you know, I think. More of that needs to more of that needs to to happen, and just for you know on the on the utility side or the government side, just not be so afraid of it, and just I mean they just don't understand they a lot of times. To, they shouldn't have to create their own task force. No. We should be so in their face with all everything we're doing that you know they don't have to create this this group. Yeah, it's like we should be having stakeholder yeah. groups that are actually being a part of a situation where they do have feedback instead of them feeling like they have to create some sort of task force. So, um, and I would like in water, if the word stakeholder was less scary than nuclear Holocaust, <laughs> that would be nice. Like the idea of like, we're going to have a stakeholder task force. I mean, you know, I might as well have just said, I think they pushed the button. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, no, I, I can, I 100% agree with you on that as well. Like it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> They're just people. Neighbors. They're your neighbors, you know? They're our customers, people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you kind of mentioned it in terms of not tying a conservation program to the drought, you know, because mm -hmm. communicating conservation when it's raining, obviously a challenge. Mm -hmm. But um, some tools include like what you're talking about with semantics, like efficiency versus 
conservation. So is that it or is there more in your opinion? Yeah, so I think there is more. I think, and it doesn't mean that for every utility, this is the right message, right? It depends. You got to find and know your own customer base. But then once you do it, it has to be more than a slogan, mm-hmm. right? It has to be more than the label of your program, right? So every single thing we do ties back to that idea, right? So we were in the news quite a bit a couple of years ago because the Atlanta Braves moved to Cobb County. Yep. It was a pretty big deal in the county. I mean, pretty altering sure. for the life of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we went out and talked about it, we met many concerned and involved citizens who didn't agree with that decision. Um, we were at least able to tie back with the conservation message by saying, okay, you're concerned. And then of course they'd see me and they'd be like, how much water is this going to, this stadium going to use? You know, how much are we paying this? I was like, well, actually let's talk about that. So I'm not going to talk to you about how much it's costing the County, right? In dollars. But what I will talk about is water dollars. Mm -hmm. So we have set aside a water fund that is, 10 million gallons a day right now in savings. And I said, the Braves are going to withdraw 2 million gallons a day during peak season, meaning when they're playing ball, and less than that, probably 1 million for the entire complex when they're not in season. I said, so they are just taking, withdrawing money out of the water bank that we already created. So I'm not going to talk to you about money, but I will talk to you about the fact that we are growing within our water balance and our water resources. Yeah. We were able to, we just tie everything back to that, Mm -hmm. right? So if we save this, that means we can do this, right? As long as we're consistent with that through line and we are always talking about it in terms of that. Yeah. And that's another great example of how you've kind of created this common language that anybody can sort of get behind. I mean, whether you're, whether you're in a conservation or whether you're into, you know, fiscal responsibility or whatever you want to call it, um, it works both ways. And, but one of the kind of side pieces of your presentation that, that resonated with me is that that kind of takes, when you kind of eliminate that divisiveness between groups, that just kind of <laughs> helps you and your soul as somebody who is like passionate about it. Um, my personal experience is that, you know, when I was going to grad school, getting my master's in environmental science, I mean, for two years, I was just surrounded by all of these like-minded people and we were all going to go and save the world and we were going to change it and hoorah, it was like this huge rallying cry. So we all like bust out after graduation, like Braveheart or something. And then we get into the cities and it's like, wah, wah, because we figure out like all, you know, there's so many challenges to it. And so that was really a process for me as a young professional coming out of college and grad school was just... Not everyone is on the same page as you. Not everyone is as passionate about you. Not everyone believes in what you do, but it's fine. Like there's a workaround and there's a way to still get what you want to done and still make a difference and still make a change. Um, just you kind of have to like let go a little bit of like get over yourself a little. I don't know. I feel like you said it better in your presentation, but uh-huh. it was perfect. Yeah, you just have to, I mean, if you can preach to the choir, right? But you may be alone. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's, that's okay. I mean, and and I think we all have done, you've been in municipal, right? Water. So you have held workshops, right? Mm -hmm. 
where bless her heart, the same woman comes to every single workshop and you're like, really, ma'am, you could teach it. I um, have her name right here in my head. Yes, right. Like you see her, she's very passionate, right? And then she's telling you about the new thing she's doing to save rainwater. She's flushing her toilet with a bucket. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> nine yards, right? She's so excited to see you and tell you, but she's not your problem. You know, she's not. He's not the problem. The guy whose sprinkler system froze the road <laughs> in the subdivision next to me today when it was oh, 23. No. Well, Kathy, right. mine didn't even have an irrigation system, but she took all the irrigation components. I think. Oh, she took all the irrigation components. All the free swag, you know, all the free irrigation swag. I, I like. I kind of think that she has an unpermitted one that no one knows about. Built with just all It's pretty efficient because she's getting all kinds of. I know. Stuff. But it's true, though. I mean, they're they're not the ones that we're really needing, you know, to to hear this message. Yeah. And that's probably true of most. If you're just talking to people who are just like you, then they're probably not the cause of your problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you may be the cause of someone else's problem, but they're probably not the cause of your problem because they feel the way you We had to learn, you know, because we got backlash on that too. It's like, well, why are you having these classes then if the same people keep coming? And, you know, part of the argument was what our friend Greg Wukash said was like, sometimes you just have to pour, keep pouring into them to keep them as these ambassadors, because I can tell you what, even though that one woman who came to every class, um, I didn't think she learned anything new. She, she expanded that message beyond I, anything I could ever um, yeah. reach. So, you know, it's okay that they're coming and that they can, you can keep pouring into them, but just keep also looking for the new fresh blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just can't be the only Yeah, the only ones, yeah. Yeah, so I felt like it was really important having kind of been in those shoes myself that I was said, oh yeah, I want this to be a podcast episode because, you know, I want those young, I want like me 10 years ago to hear that podcast at, or to hear this podcast and be like, okay, and not feel like in some way I'm a traitor to the cause or something because right, I'm now yeah. talking about, um fiscal responsibility instead of economic you know, development ah! of environmental <laughs> yeah yeah instead of saying we're saving it for the fish right yeah. i mean yeah we're saving it for the right. fish I, mean, I might believe that and i can say it at home my husband you know he's into right. it but the my people i say i'm gonna save the cherokee daughter they're like i'm sorry isn't that bait yeah <laughs> yep yeah Mm -hmm. like, that's an ugly bait fish. Oh. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you will when you can't catch bass. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's shift gears for a minute. Um, in our last phone call and in the presentation, you'd mentioned a little bit about having this great mentor. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your mentor and why mentorship is so important, especially for people doing the education, outreach, and communication? Sure. Um, so I've been fortunate to have many, um, but probably my first mentor that really helped shape my career was our business service manager at Cobb County. Um, so he, he just, the director, him and the budget manager, I, they were, they were the ones that really brought me up in water. And so from the very beginning, the director and Rick, the business service manager, 
He said, I see something in you, a passion and a love for water and a natural talent that you have in this industry. And I was like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, he just, they gave me all these opportunities. Like we did this, they created this position of water efficiency manager. And then they came to me and said, we created this for you. Yeah. We, we want you in this position. We want you to create the program. We want you to take it from the ground up. And then, then they said, and we're not going to tell you how to do it. What we're going to tell you is that we need to lead, not follow. So you need to do what you need to do. They should be asking what would Cobb do. Mm, yeah. I love that. It will be the success. And so they, kind of gave me wings and then they gave me support. And right after I took that over, we had a major, the first major thing we did with the water efficiency program was to overhaul our entire rate structure. Wow. wow. Yeah. Part of that was eliminating a very beloved program called the sewer capping program. Hmm. So we used to cap our wastewater charges at 125% of winter. Yeah. Every other neighboring utility in metropolitan Atlanta charges wastewater equal to metered water yeah. use. Mm-hmm. Right. So we got a lot of heat from the metropolitan water district who oversees the plan that we have to follow. Right. They said, "You guys are giving water away. You gotta. You, you're out of. You'll be out of compliance with the plan. Yeah. You got to get rid yeah. of that sewer cap." So we did. Uh, we got rid of the sewer cap and we put in tiered rates at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our he- yep, j- brilliant, right? So our heavy irrigator customers, their bills went up between 550 and 1,000%. Holy cow. Regular and that's our rich customers mm. in Cobb County. So they're used to getting what they want. Yeah. And Rick said, you're going to be in charge <laughs> of all of it. Did you and feel like this was, was a setup at first? <laughs> I did, I did. But it became like, the biggest learning opportunity for for me because he not only said you're not only going to be in charge of like pushing it out to the public you're also going to create all the materials to educate our staff and you're going to work with customer service and you're going to train those girls and you're going to answer all the escalated calls and you're going to build all of the materials to support the politicians and make sure they stand behind this and they don't undercut us and they don't make us go back no pressure yeah yeah so it was it was, I mean, and it was a huge risk for them to take, letting me take the lead in it, but it was a giant learning opportunity for me. So everybody should have a mentor who lets them do something that scares the mm. crap out of them. Like just the hands on the over and goes, oh my God, what have I just done? There's no way they're ready for yeah. this. Right. Right because there's no other way for them to be ready. And then just kind of stand back like those trust falls, yeah. right? Like, them a little bit if they fall back. Yeah. Like, I got you, you're gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow. Everybody wow. should just have somebody who just says, yeah, I'm scared to death for you to do it. That's why you should do it. Yeah, wow. you, you know someone's your mentor when, you know, when you think about what the difference between a mentor and a friend, you know, your friend is always like, yeah, yeah, you got this. Like, you know, you have a mentor when they scare the crap out of you or when they make you really uncomfortable sometimes because they challenge you to Mm -hmm. outside of those comfort zones. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, 
be careful what you ask for, you know, when you're like, yes, I really want a mentor. Well, be ready to get uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so young professionals are a very important audience in our industry. And, you know, when I say young professionals, I mean not only from an age perspective, but also just from time in the industry. Um, they're the future of our industry. So how are we as an industry doing at developing and retaining that talent at an organizational level? Yeah, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love it. Well, <laughs> we are so bad at it. I mean, it does like it's it's a personal passion of mine, right? Um and we're so bad at it. My god, cuz as an industry I've never met an industry who clings to the phrase, we've always done it this way, <laughs> right? Oh my God. More than the water industry. I mean, like they'll be pulling people away from the table at retirement. They'll go, but we've always done it <laughs> yeah. this way. I want to make and, that a shirt and then I want to burn that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, and, and, it just so goes against, especially today to young people, yeah. right? They want to come in and they want to look at it and they want to go, oh, but we could do this, right. right? And we could change the way this happens. And then all of a sudden you just see everybody in the room, like color drains out of their yes. face and come by it naturally, right? It's not like we're making widgets back here. <laughs> okay? We're making water, yeah. right? I mean, so they come by their caution in a legitimate way. Yeah. But you've got to crack the door a little bit and realize that there is more than one way to do this, yes. right? They also are very open, like about talking about things, right? And they want to share and communicate and my God, water people just hate that. Oh my gosh. Right. They love the phrase. We are the silent utility, right? I hate that. I want to burn, I want that. burn that shirt too. <laughs> I think we'll have a shirt. It's going to have party. a, yeah, a shirt burn party, burn party. <laughs> Silent utility. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, no. no. You should be telling everybody about what Everything, you do. So, yeah. and I, we're so reticent to do exactly what we just talked about with my mentor, mm -hmm. right? Let them try and maybe fail, yep, yep. right? And if you don't, they're just not the same as the people when my age entering the age industry and people that I work for entering the industry where we were just like, Oh, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to stay here, you know, and just wait my time and bide my time. That's not going to work. Right. And what is so frustrating is that with so many young, particularly the young age wise want to do right. They want to make a difference. Yeah. Okay. This industry is imbued with that. <laughs> they should be running here. Yeah. We are shutting the door in their face. Yeah. Like, I cannot figure that out. Like, why do we do that? We make so many obstacles for them and they should be running to yeah. us. Yeah. This is the one part of the world that you can make a difference and change lives every day. Let us every change lives every day. Yep. I've known so many people who are just so creative and talented and just passionate that come into the government life and then they leave because they're just I mean some people just can't bang their head against a wall for you know it they can only bang it so many times you know before they just 
they're out because those people need to get poured into. And um, so, oh, it crushes me every time. Um, every time I hear of somebody like that leaving, you know, I mean, we kind of did the same thing, say, but we, we left, but we didn't leave the <laughs> yeah, industry. We didn't but, leave the industry. I mean, you guys left, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's it is frustrating, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you guys left. Other people are doing it, and the other thing is that I don't understand when we made a decision that the only people that bring value in the water industry have to have an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you stand everybody around the table and every single person in there has an engineering degree, you've just got a bunch of people who have the exact same background talking about the exact same thing, yeah. yep. right? I want to bring a bunch of people who have a different background and perspective. I want engineers there because I'm not an engineer, yeah. right? I want other people there. Yeah. I want people with out-of-the-box degrees who think differently than yes. me, right? How am I going to get a better product unless we all bring to the table what we have to offer? Yeah, and you're never going to have any sense of divergent thinking when everyone around the table has the same experience, background, education, age, gender, you know, like yeah. you got to have some diversity in order to get divergent thinking that's going to really create innovation for um, around the table. And so I 100% agree that, um, you know, we need to be opening more of those doors. And for the the younger folks coming up, just remember that that is a privilege to have those doors opened and to just own, take ownership and accountability of that because you are going to make mistakes and that is okay. You are human. There is like no such thing as, um, creativity or innovation or just a good job without sometimes yeah. there being failure, but you have to own it and you have to say, wow, like I screwed up because you're going to get so much more respect if you own your mistake versus like for some reason trying to hide it out of pride. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. all, that is really all of, so yes, industry, please like open the doors for this next generation, but next generation own that accountability and never be ashamed of it. That's my thing. <laughs> I agree. That's great. So <laughs> I was going to go down another path, but oh, I was like, sorry. no, um, no, same path ish kind of like, I was really just going to say, I mean, of all of the, you know, we say as an industry, it's hard to find new applicants and it's like, we have the number one, like, slogan or tagline or campaign of like, we have the best industry that you can do everything you could possibly want to do within this industry at all different levels. I mean, we, we're in the perfect industry, you know, and use that, like, talk about it, talk about it, Yeah. advertise yourself, it. tell people about this, like, Oh, okay. Sorry. And while we do have to say that while we did leave, we, there is no way that we could work for any other industry than the water industry. There was like a skosh of time where we like dabbled in, um, just kind of marketing in general. And we were like, Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go back. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, when you were telling me about your story of your mentor and stuff that really like hit me because that's very much like the way my career started too was, you know, a position was created with me in mind and that was such an honor. And for years, people joked about like my position and in my, like I lived in the land of rainbows and unicorns. I had a, a solid budget. I got to do, I mean, I had the city manager telling me like, 
you know, go do, (laughs) do, just do it, keep going, you know, and it was just amazing to have that blessing, especially, you know, young in my career. And, and it was just, I mean, why did I quit? I don't know sometimes because it was, I had the perfect scenario. I mean, it was perfect, but um, I felt it's okay. I asked myself that about the new I know. job. <laughs> I, you know, there's a bigger calling for, for everyone. And when you, when you get that bigger calling, you have to, you have to make that decision. Am I going to take that leap and, and go with the bigger calling or, and I did, but anyways, speaking of your new, okay. So to get that. That's what I look at, right? You open the space for somebody else, right? right? So you on and then you open the space for somebody else. I'm so, so glad crazy. you said that because <laughs> the person who, the people who took our roles in our, our city, like, I love that they're, they, I love that they're there and they're so happy and they're so, they were not in water before and they are so passionate about this now. And I'm like, yes, like I'll move over and let you come on in girl. Yeah. She called me when I was out of town to kind of like express that feeling to me. And this was when we were like fresh out of leaving. So it was still very raw. And so she's telling me this and I'm on the other end, just like, (laughs) I was like bawling because I wasn't ready to let go yet. I can now, but like at the time I was like, I am not on the same page as you yet. (laughs) Don't call me yet. yet. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about your new role. Um, Your new role is heavily has you heavily involved with the customer service staff at your water system um customer service utility billing folks are uh, many times the only first impression um or not the only first impression of water utility um, but for the entire city the county wherever you're living at Um, so what's your approach to customer service yeah so I like to think of it as customer relations because yeah. I think they're all like a customer relations, not a customer service agent, mm-hmm. right? I love that. Yeah. Because I, I think of everything I do at work as service, mm-hmm. right? I believe in servant leadership. I think we all serve, you know, someone in some way, but they, for 90% of our customers, they will never, they will never attend something I'm speaking at. Right. They will never go to a workshop, mm-hmm. but they might call the call center and they might ask, Hey, this is going on with my water or Hey, my bill or why, why do I pay so much for wastewater? Right. right? And so if they understand that they are a conduit for those customers getting access to safe drinking water and sanitation, Mm -hmm. that like they're the gatekeepers for that. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones who talk, to the customers about that, then that just elevates the way that they feel. And if they get elevated, then it's my job. I always tell them as their manager to make sure that the rest of the managers here also recognize the value that they bring to the utility. Yeah. So you do your job, right? And you be the best at customer relations you can be. And you be that gateway. You be that conduit for the customers and I'll handle everybody else. Yeah. Right. So I try to make that and I just tell them you're a team. It's team Cobb water customer, not team Cobb water, right? You are part of that team. It's your team Cobb water customer. We're going to make decisions as a team. We're going to act as a team and we're going to do it in the benefit to the customer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the last times we talked to you and we, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, I think you even went so far as to say as to like, you know, 
you can't keep them locked up in a cage, you know, we got to like send them out there to get their own professional development and pour into them because they have some of the hardest jobs. I mean, just like the guys out on the, uh, the guys and gals out in the field dealing with everything that they're dealing with. But, you know, the ones at utility billing are the ones who are dealing with like all of the angry people that are pissed off about what's going on in the field. So just recognizing that they need to be poured into too and probably more often than anyone else because they're just dealing with yes. people not having very good days. Could you just imagine any, I couldn't, I tell all of our managers, I would put you on a phone for 24 hours. Everybody that comes a manager, I would put you on that phone because I can't imagine anything scarier, right? right. Their number is plastered everywhere, <laughs> right? And so we do stormwater, wastewater, and water. Yeah right? So at any given time, all they know is they call in the water system. Right. All right. So they're supposed to be an expert on every single thing that happens every single day, every crazy decision we make, every nutty policy implemented that some customer might have a problem with is probably going to come to their phone at some point. And they have no idea. They pick up that phone and they have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like Miss Jones might be having the best day, we may have torn up Mr. Taylor's yard for a project they don't understand, didn't even know what's going on. Right. And now they've all of a sudden got to explain it to him. So they're if they stay and they're invested in your utility, how can you not invest in them? Right. The contract you have with them, you invest in us, you stay here, you do this hard work and we will invest in you. Yeah. Mm. That's so important. You're, you're right. right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's you're making me want to call so many people and be like, just listen to what she just said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so, the utility billing staff are, are the very last people to ever even get looked at. Like I recall stories of our, like at one point utility billing was under, um, a different department. It was under finance and finance had no clue what was going on with them down there, down there in a whole nother part of the building in a corner, um, to the point like needing new chairs, you know, <laughs> like needing headsets so they can answer this phone while writing this note, not like this, you know, I know people can't see, but it's the old fashioned, you know, yeah, holding the cradling, cradling the phone, the phone <laughs> in your ear and shoulder. Like, I mean, golly, those are your first line of defense or offense. You know, let, give yeah. them the tools they need. Give them all of the padding, all of the ammunition, everything. Give them everything. Give them whatever they need. And tell them what is going on. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. doesn't ever, like, when something goes on, they'll email everybody in the world, but they don't email customers. Right. Your number is buried 19 pages yeah. back on the website. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how you think that the 80-year-old customer that's affected by this is going to be calling you, okay, that they're not. Right. They're going to call our main number, which is everywhere, okay, yeah. and on their bill, okay? Yep. Think they're gonna call. A poor unsuspecting utility billing employee who has no idea about what's going on and they and you know and and that sucks to be put in a position where you're already 10 steps behind because you don't have any context of what's going on yeah there's so many things I I can't I don't want to say regret but like wish I could go back and redo or or start implementing or but 
you know, and even though I can't go do that, like hopefully any of them in any, you know, utility billing is listening and will say time. Yeah. Let's just change the way this is going. This is not, this could be so much better. <laughs> yeah. If you're their manager, it's your job. <sighs> like even if people think that if people think it's not worth it, or if they're saying, well, you know, they're just, they're not, they're not educated or they're not this or they're not that. It's your job to let them know how important they are. And it's your job to stand in the gap for them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm so, so, so glad that you are the customer service manager, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you, you're leading that charge. I love it. Um, so we're springing a question on you, but I think that you will be able to handle it with poise and grace. Um, (laughs) uh, so we asked this question before of, okay, you're, you're out and about somewhere around people, just everyday Cobb County residents who know nothing about water. You're getting into an elevator and someone's like, so what do you do? What is your elevator pitch for water and the value of water? Wow, what's my elevator pitch for water and the value of water? Okay. Um, so I'm very fortunate. I get to work in an industry that is the lifeblood of Cobb County. Your kids go to school because of what I do. We put people on the moon because of what I do. Everything you buy at the grocery store is because of what I do. Every medical advancement is because of what I do. I'm a water professional. Ooh. <laughs> I wish I, I could little, give you the microphone I got so you could drop that. it. <laughs> that was beautiful. That I was don't awesome. think we could ever ask that question nope. again. <laughs> Can never ask it again. <laughs> wow. Wow. Did you know there's something on Mars because of what I do? Yeah. yeah. Right on Mars because of what I do. So we interviewed uh, we interviewed a gentleman um, from water.org and we joked that we were like only one level one person removed from Matt Damon and so you just made me feel like I'm one I'm basically an astronaut because they're looking for water on Mars. So I'm going to add that to my resume. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You don't get to do that. Um. <laughs> You're not qualified. I can't. Okay, so I'm going to go through a little wrap-up question, a um, little lightning round that's never that fast. Um, <laughs> so what is your favorite book right now that you can recommend to all of us? Uh, I guess um, I thought about that because I read a lot, but um, The Coaching Habit. Mm, so it's The Coaching Habit by Michael Stainer. Awesome. So it it really tells you that to coach, you really need to focus on asking questions. Mm. Oh, yes. That's like the best. It empowers the people that you coach to solve their own problem Mm -hmm. while knowing you're kind of there if they need it. So you sort of use a series of questions to drill down. Mm -hmm. So they start solving their own problem. And then sort of the last questions you ask them are, so what is, what one thing do you need me to do to make that happen? Mm. Wow. So that you can get them to where they need. And I thought it was a very revolutionary way to think about um, being a manager. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I like, I think that would help, you know, being on our, on our end, you know, with clients um, asking them those questions, asking them more questions. I, we ask a lot of questions. Yeah. We ask a lot of questions, but now I can have like, okay, this, this book said it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and they even give you these core questions. I have them like copied and I keep them on my Ooh, desk. I love that. So when people come in and they're asking me like I have a problem, it's a remind it's a visual yeah. reminder to say, okay, okay. like here are the questions. Okay. Let me ask. Instead of just saying, oh, I know how to fix that because I've been in the industry. Right. For yeah. Well, now I, I have it. to get the book today, Kathy. Gosh. <laughs> yep. Um, what is something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Uh, I meditate Ooh, every day. Every day. Every single morning. Yeah. I'm very, I'm a very regimented person. <laughs> so I get up at four in the morning. I run every morning. And then I meditate. What everybody. What does that mean at 4 a.m. on your side of the world in the weather? You run outside in 20 degree weather? Like what? Yeah, this morning in 22 degree no. weather. No, like wow. it's 75 here and I'm going, that is too cold. How far <laughs> do you run? Um, It depends, but somewhere between two and three miles a day in the morning and then longer with my husband on the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I also wake up at four o'clock in the morning and, um, I tell people that sometimes and they look at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. I'm going to roll my eyes at both of you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about it the other day cause I saw a post on LinkedIn and about, you know, morning routines and, and stuff like that. And, I've gotten so, that is such sacred time to me now. It's no one's asking for anything, expecting anything, waiting for anything. Like it's just my time. And even though I, it's not fun waking up that early. Um, I just, when I don't do it, I'm, I'm kind of bummed, you know, I don't feel like I get to start the day the way that I want. You don't have to worry about anything interrupting it, right? I want to exercise and I don't want an emergency at work to interrupt it. Right. Yep. So I'm, run then in the morning and then I want to meditate because it just kind of calms everything down yeah. right if I get up that early nobody's up nobody needs anything right so it's just my time I set my day and then whatever happens happens I'm better able to I'm at the stage where um I, I have three little babies that are under three or three and a half and under and they I swear they can smell when I'm awake <laughs> and <laughs> You know, and so if I get up at four in the morning, like to start doing some meditation, I would need like the ultra silent, like a silencer on my feet or like just, I don't know, like they can smell and they all wake up and then I'm like, oh, great. Let's start the day at four now. This yeah. is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. My mom had three kids under three too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, um, how long have you been meditating? Uh, so I, um. I started meditating a little over two years ago and I have meditate. I meditate every single day. So I have meditated every single day for two years. And how long is each session? It depends on how much time I have, but so I try to fit in between 20 and 40 minutes a day. Wow. Is it something that you do on your own or do you have like a guided thing? Um, actually what I like to use is the insight timer app. Mm, cool. So it's great. It has both guided and timer meditations and it's free. Wow. Yeah. Because I tried for a period of time, this one called headspace. Um, but that one is a charged one, uh, or it's like free up to a certain point and then you have to pay for it. Um, but yeah, cause I am not there yet. I need to have some sort of like <laughs> guiding to help me. Cause I'm like, this thing is always firing. This brain is just like, beep, 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 beep. So when I was your age, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> so I'm always interested when people say that and finding out like what works for them. Cause I mean, I'll try anything once. So 
because I was unsuccessful too. So I credit Insight Timer. It really did help me. Like it really did help me. I thought I'd never be able to do it. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. Um, okay. So in the world of outreach, education, communication, you've probably heard it too. Maybe that some people will say, well, what difference does it make if I change? Cause I'm just one person. So it's not going to make a difference. And obviously, you know, Ariane and I disagree with that. We think that one person making a change can be contagious and can actually result in, you know, maybe even changing the world. So what's that one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Wow, that's hard. Um, but yeah, <laughs> help somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, give back and help somebody else, right? I mean, that's I've benefited from that, right. and I try really, really hard to do that in my life. And I think if everybody just focused on that, it would we'd be in a better place. We treat the environment better. We treat each other mm-hmm. better. We treat <laughs> all of it yeah. better. Yeah. No. It helps somebody else. Plus, it just makes you feel better. It does make you feel better. You uh, mentioned just in earlier something about just kind of wor- working with that idea of service in mind and remembering how important service is and that idea of empathy as well. And um, service, serving with empathy is kind of one of our core values. And so that like ding when you said that, that, that hit a light. So um, great way to, great way to end our chat. That's a great, um, it's a great value to live by. So I appreciate that and appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Never miss out on future episodes by clicking subscribe or better yet, sign up for the Water Nerds newsletter at theh2duo.com forward slash newsletter. We also give you permission to slide into our DMs and shoot us your email that way to get you signed up as well. We are doing a ton of traveling, so please be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore H2Duo. Check out our profile with all our tour dates. Let's meet in real life. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.